Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Thursday, May 26, 2022, which is late for us. Aaron and I typically record new episodes of Marvelous Disney on Tuesday nights. We kind of got out of that habit when Moon Knight debuted on Disney Plus on Wednesday, March 30th, because we wanted to be able to talk about those. And speaking of which, Aaron, you wanted to remind folks that the latest Marvel Studios Assemble, The Making of Moon Knight, debuted on Disney Plus just yesterday, May 25th. We'll talk at length about this in the second half of the show, but Reader's Digest, what'd you think? They're still hiding the secrets of how they did the the mirror gags and the and the doubles. They did Aww. show that he, they brought in his brother, which looks a lot like Oscar, mm-hmm. uh, to play his double. And then obviously they're going to do a, a digital head replacement or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, his his brother stood in for a lot of those when they were in the hallway side by side in the psychiatric ward type oh. thing. So yeah, his his brother was there for a lot of those shots. Mm-hmm. However, the mirror shots, they didn't give us any hints as to the mm-hmm. trickery that they used for that. Mm-hmm. And so um, overall, I did enjoy a, a peek behind the curtain. However, mm-hmm. I l- enjoy a much bigger peek. I want to see the whole shebang. So uh, mm-hmm. it was okay. It was, a, it was a nice peek, but I want to look, not a peek. Got it. Okay. But again, we'll talk more about that second half of the show. Can you talk about, however what you've been doing with the earlier part of this week as the, <laughs> the part of the lead up to this Sunday's Indianapolis uh, 5,000, which, which 500. Uh, starts at uh, 5,000 is a week long race, Jim. <laughs> there we go. The Indianapolis 500. I was doing so well, but it gets underway this Sunday, May 29th at 1245 PM Eastern. Yeah. Um, I'm recording sound cause that's what I do. I'm a nerd. Um, mm-hmm. I get my kit here here for the nerds. If you want to look up some kit that's fun, I've mm-hmm. got a Sound Devices Mix Pre 6.2. That mm-hmm. is my uh, portable. Uh, they use them in film for mm-hmm. for uh, capturing audio on sets. So that's my portable audio device. And then I'm using a uh, Sennheiser Ambio VR microphone that uh, captures uh, virtual reality 3D surround sound. Uh, with this device. So, the, and it's weird because people think, oh, you're going to capture, you know, the, the indie cars. And I'm like, no, I'm actually standing underneath the track inside mm-hmm. of the tunnel that goes under the tracks, so how you get inside. And I'm mm-hmm. recording the sound as the cars go overhead inside Ooh. of the tunnel because there is no sound like it anywhere on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just, you know, it, I feel like a Ben Burton moment from Star Wars where you. Yeah. He would record, you know, a lot of the the speeders. The mm-hmm. he took, uh, you know, a vacuum hose for mm-hmm. like a shop vac. He put mm-hmm. a microphone inside of the hose and recorded mm-hmm. car traffic on a highway, and that's how you get your speeder sounds. Is it by going through that little hose makes it that mm-hmm. type sound? So, um, yeah, being in, inside of a tunnel with an Indy five hundred car going over your head at about two hundred miles an hour is a very mm-hmm. unique sound that you can't find every day. So uh, that's one that I grab. And then we go out into the middle of the field and then just plant the microphone. And then you can hear the cars go like a mile away and then back mm-hmm. at you and then a mile away and back at you. And it's just really, really incredible. The only problem is this is a, a new format of sound and you just can't mm-hmm. use stereo to, to play it back. So it's going to be one of them things where you have to have like the Apple headphones where you tilt your head. Like when you turn your head, the sound stays relative. So like mm-hmm. normally if you're listening to music and you turn your head, the the music turns with you. This doesn't happen. Um, the, if the car is in front of you and you turn your head to the left, that car will now be in your right ear. It stays where it's supposed to be. And that's just new technology that doesn't exist in a lot of uh, audio playback worlds. So I'm I'm doing the bleeding edge, Jim. I'm doing the new technology, oh, and very one day, cool. um, very the, the, cool. the goal is one day I'm going to mm-hmm. produce something that is in 3D VR that where you mm-hmm. can be in a story mm-hmm. that is perfectly 
in 3D, and if you turn your head, things will stay relative. Like, I want to, you know, record a tiger and put it behind you and have it jump over your head and silly stuff like that. So it's just super exciting, fun time. Uh, we're going to have a plane flyover. The, the F-15s, I think, will be flying over the when the race starts. So grab mm-hmm. that sound, audience sounds. It's just a, a buffet of goodness for me all this week at the Indianapolis 500. Very cool. Very cool. We'll, we'll have fun at the Speedway. And uh, beyond that, folks, again, uh, interesting week uh, you know, for fans of Marvel. And we'll get to that in a sec, uh, the news. But as always, the news portion of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Now, speaking of sports, early this week during Game 4 of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals, we got our new Thor Love and Thunder trailer. Uh, what did we think of that? Well, before we get to my thoughts, I'm going to jump back to when I was in the movie theater watching Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. and I was surrounded by people, and the first Thor trailer came up, and there was a lot of criticism of that first trailer. They thought it looked hokey, looked silly, mm-hmm. looked like it was all one big-ass joke, and mm-hmm. uh, Thor is just for the gag now. He's, mm-hmm. not, he's not a real superhero. And mm-hmm. I couldn't believe how many people were shunning that trailer and uh so when we got the new trailer i was hoping that it might buoy our spirits and lift us up a little bit Mm -hmm. and um i'm on the fence on this one right now i mean it does look like it it could have a lot of fun in it there's Mm -hmm. a lot of gags but that's i think almost almost the problem and 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 again i'm gonna say i'm on the fence and i'm gonna contradict myself a little bit uh Mm -hmm. thor one and two you know thor one was okay thor two i didn't i think is the weakest of all of the marvel movies thus far uh, Chris Hemsworth was kind of not thrilled with the direction of Thor with, you know, by the time we get to Avengers, the first Avengers, you know, it's just like, eh. And then when Taika Waititi came in mm-hmm. for Ragnarok, mm-hmm. that was when Chris Hemsworth was like, I'm okay playing Thor for another 10 years. This is mm-hmm. fun again. And he enjoyed where the character was going. Now it's like, well, it's definitely a Taika Waititi movie. Oh yeah. And I like that. That's yeah. a good thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Bale. Mm-hmm. Mm, I want to put a blonde bowl cut wig on him and have him go, welcome to the pit of despair. <coughs> welcome to the pit of despair. Nobody gets out of here. From the uh, Princess Bride. You remember that? Trust me, I got the reference. Just just today, I literally wrote a script that included the line, I do not think that word means what, what you, you think, think it means. means. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, or or you, you know, could that, put a habit on, on Christian yeah. Bale, and it looks like the nun from... Uh, was it The Nun? Was that the, the movie, the horror oh, movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just yeah. doesn't look like gore. And I get it, because if you he, if he get rid of the nose, he looks like mm-hmm. Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And if you give him the, the tentacles off of the head, he looks like, you know, one of the Twi'leks from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. But really, he looks like Christian Bale in white pancake makeup, and that's not scary to me. And so eh, I'm really on the fence on this one. It has the potential for lots of fun. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when they show this new trailer and uh, they show, well, a blurred out Thor bum, mm-hmm. well, I think there's going to be some females lining up for this movie just for a peek at the cheeks. That could, could <laughs> well be. Okay, now I want to be clear here that Taika Watiti himself came out this week after the trailer came out and said, I want to caution people, this is not the film that people seem to think it is. This isn't necessarily a handoff, an end to the Chris Hemsworth Thor movies. Also, I want to apologize. I keep calling Natalie Portman's character Lady Thor, which is wrong. This is the Mighty Thor. Oh. So I got to get her terminology right there. Also, part of the problem with what Tyke is trying to deal with is the core character in this trailer is telling a story about Thor, but he's using the past tense. So it's, it's one of these things where if it's not the last we're going to see of Thor. Why is Korg talking this way? And uh, oh, I have to ask about what you thought of. I mean, we, we've heard about uh, your take on Christian Bale's Gore, the God Butcher. What about Russell Crowe as Zeus? Yeah, I'm still not sold on Russell either. I mean, I, I think it's more to do with that silly lightning bolt. And I don't know why that irks me so, because I think that Zeus should just 
hurl lightning bolts, like real actual lightning bolts. And this looks mm -hmm. like a very plastic lightning bolt painted gold. And I just don't quite get it. But I'm hoping that just like any other movie, you know, you, you see a trailer and then you go in and you actually watch the film and it's it's going to fill in all of those gaps that you didn't get in that two minute trailer, right? Because we're talking about two hours of film versus two oh, minutes yeah. of, of no. tease. And I, I'm hoping, really, that this trailer is just trying to show the levity and the fun that could mm. be had. But mm. I really want stakes. And, the, and that one scene where it looks like that uh, Christian Bale is taking a sword and putting it into the ground, and then the next shot is an entire world crumbling apart as a result of it. Now, mm. that looks impressive. That mm. looks like there are big stakes to be had. But I really want a, a good threat for our heroes to overcome. And uh, and there was that thing where Jane's got uh, Mjolnir and she mm -hmm. throws it and it looks like it, the chunks break off into little pieces mm -hmm. or are they little mini Mjolnirs? It, I couldn't quite tell from the trailer, but it, it was like 10 or 20 little hammers or shards of the hammer went out and then come back and reform. And I think that would be pretty cool if, if they... You know, if the hammer was broken and she does the throw and all the chunks go out and hit the, the enemies and then reform and come back as a solid hammer. I'm, I mean, that's a really cool way to progress the story of a stupid hammer. Right. This is true. This is true. Uh, speaking of trailers, though, I want to say on last week's show, we were talking about the She-Hulk Attorney at Law trailer, which inside of 24 hours broke the record that had previously been established for a Disney Plus Marvel Studios trailer debut. The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which debuted as a spot on the Super Bowl, She-Hulk came within inches of, of beating the viewing record for that one. It's now the second biggest trailer debut for a Marvel Studios series. What is interesting is that based strictly on the public's reaction to the CG that was used in the trailer, Marvel did something unusual. They reissued the very same trailer, in fact, just yesterday, Aaron. What? With brand new CG in it. The notion is, no, no, wait, we didn't get our finished effects work. Take a look at this stuff, the finished version. And Marvel's already running defense on She-Hulk, because I don't know if you, you saw the story that came out prior to this, where the effects house was like, well, yeah, we've cut together the trailer with effects that really weren't ready. And oh, by the way, Marvel executives told us to make the She-Hulk smaller. No! Oh my God! Yep. Oh, yep. I'm just uh, aghast with all these little tweaks and changes. I mean, it's okay that they're finishing up some, some CG work. I did have a comment on Twitter. Someone said that the CG looked crap. And mm -hmm. I did say, eh, it's not out of the oven yet. It's still got time to bake, wait for the show to come out. So This is true. Yeah, is I, true. I, I'm glad that, you know, they are trying to, you know, put the, the last coat of gloss over it, even mm -hmm. if it's already been released. Go, no, 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 we can still make it better. Do it again. So yeah. that's okay. Uh, but that said, though, as long as we're talking about Disney Plus series uh, coming from Marvel Studios, earlier this week, they made the first two episodes of Ms. Marvel, which, again, doesn't debut till, till June 8th, uh, available for viewing for certain entertainment writers. And I want to point out that, hey, I'm an entertainment writer. And Aaron and I do a podcast about Marvel. You know, could we maybe get on this list? Because our good buddy Drew Taylor made the list, and he wrote about these two episodes to say that Ms. Marvel is really, really wonderful. Iman Vellani is a star, and the stylized aesthetic, which feels almost like a live-action Spider-Verse, is dazzling but never distracting. All the emotional stuff is front and center, real and honest. Get excited. So there you go. If you want to get your Marvel news, go to Drew Taylor at Fine Tuning, the animation show. Because Drew uh, is an influencer and I'm just under the influence. Uh, it, well, hey, while we're talking about uh, mm -hmm. Disney Plus stuff, I did get a message uh, that was actually very revealing on Twitter about okay. some, some things that we do not have in our show notes for today. And I wanted okay. to bring this up to you. Uh, mm -hmm. This is going to come from Chase Wilson. Thank you, Chase, for dropping us a line and saying hello and feeding us this juicy morsel. Okay. So uh, he got a survey from Disney mm -hmm. about Disney Plus content and, and Moon Knight specifically. Mm -hmm. And when he got to the page uh, 
in the survey, it had a list of every announced Marvel show and movie coming up. And he mm-hmm. said that usually the artwork is very basic. So, for example, Black Panther 2, it's just the title and the mm-hmm. art design, and that's really about it. Well, this time, mm-hmm. for Fantastic Four, in the past, it was just the Four logo. Mm-hmm. However, today, uh, the survey had a photo of John Krasinski and Emily Blunt wearing a Fantastic Four uniform that looked very similar, but not quite exactly like the one that we saw in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. <sighs> so we don't have a we don't have a Johnny Storm yet. We don't have a thing yet, but mm-hmm. we've got a, a Krasinski and a Blunt in costume on a promotional page for a survey. So. It looks like we're definitely going in the Krasinski blunt direction for the proper MCU 616 Fantastic Four. I don't know when we can expect any more news about who's going to be joining them as Johnny Mm -hmm. or The Thing or Mm -hmm. or Ben Grimm. But um, Mm -hmm. that's kind of exciting that they're they're gearing. I'm, I'm ready for Fantastic Four. So every little step forward gets me a little bit more excited. And I want to toss in here as well. I was saying that what's going to sell Fantastic Four for me is how well they do the stretchy powers mm-hmm. of Mr. Fantastic. We didn't get to see a whole lot of it in Multiverse of Madness, but what they did, they did really, really well. And I'll tell you the reason why. They hit a lot of it behind the the edges of the screen. Like when he drops in, you see him stretch. However, by the time his legs come down, they're now out of view. And so you didn't get to see his whole body stretch. You got to see parts of him stretch and then disappear behind the frame of the screen. So um, they're using some trickery and it works and it looks good. And I'm okay with this. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, no, no, that's great. And and, uh, more to the point, I'm always happy that particularly when we walk out something like the, the John Krasinski, Emily Blunt thing to have, you know, another source come forward. That's always, you know, it it sometimes gets lonely when you walk out on that limb, you know, and it's just sort of like, oh, good, you know, concept art. I'm happy now. And and speaking of things that also make me happy, did you see this news about a Daredevil series being in the works for Disney Plus? Well, it's about time. The only question is, are are they going to, I mean, there are some things in the last season where I can Mm -hmm. totally see them going, let's just ignore this and kind of move on like it never happened. Mm -hmm. But with the same actor and, you know, I'm I'm sure they'll revamp the costume a little bit because they do that Mm -hmm. with all of the superheroes. That's not a sign of any trouble at all. Mm -hmm. It's just a thing they do. Mm -hmm. So I think that when they do get to doing a, a daredevil, I think that they... It's 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 really hard to kind of describe. It's not a reboot, but they're mm-hmm. not really going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the past, you know, four seasons on Netflix. They're just going to kind of hit the ground running like, oh, you know, this guy, you know, what's up. Here's the story mm-hmm. that we're telling today. And uh, if you want to try and connect the Netflix series to this, you probably can just don't expect us to want to because wasn't the last episode where they were underground and there was like a giant dragon yeah, you know, and, and with but the skeleton. I, I don't know if that was for the defenders, but it seemed like it, like at one episode, I think they dropped an entire building on uh, one of our heroes, mm-hmm. and it might have been Daredevil. I can't remember now. It's been a while, but yeah, yeah I, th- I think they're just going to kind of let that not be addressed too much and just pick up like, oh, everything's fine. Here's our hero, and here's the story we're telling. Yeah. Now, what's kind of interesting in this same window of time, we also got news that Kristen Ritter is also going to be reprising her role as Jessica Jones Yay. also that in an MCU happy. project. No, same thing here. I mean, I'm just I'm genuinely happy to hear this because it's people we've enjoyed in the past finding a place in the current MCU, which has an abundance of goodness. I'm just hoping that they use them well, that they give them their time in the spotlight. Have we had any uh, rumors about Luke Cage making his return with Mike Coulter? Not Yet, but notice how uh, I don't ask about uh, Iron Fist. Yeah, moving on. I, moving <laughs> on. Um, by the way, this broke just last week, and I'm not sure how to feel about this yet. But it's Marvel Studios struck a 20 year licensing deal with Genius Brands and POW Entertainment, which gave them the rights to use the name and likeness of Stan Lee. Nope, don't like it, not one bit. I'm actually thinking. This is more of Marvel pulling a Walt 
the rights are very specific. It's comic book icon Stan Lee for future feature films and television productions, as well as use in the Disney theme parks and experiences worldwide. They've acquired Stan's name, his voice, his likeness, his signature, and also access to use images, existing footage, and existing audio recordings. And it goes even deeper on the theme park side thing, where it's the effect of, we get to use this material for theme parks, water parks, cruises, and in-park merchandise. Who's getting the money for this? Like, is, is it Stan's family? It is Genius Brands and Powell Entertainment, no. who... Yeah, I think that's cold, man. Because Powell was, was Stan's creation, right? Mm-hmm. So your creator of your company... Mm-hmm passes on and then you uh let's say you're the the new chief executive officer or whatever of that mm-hmm. company and disney comes to you and goes hey we would like to uh make money off of the likeness and and voice and signature and all that other stuff of the guy that that built all of this and it's you know it's not like they can get stan's permission to do that normally i, I would say think that he would go oh yeah absolutely because he loved to be in the spotlight and tell the stories, right? Mm-hmm. And we enjoyed when he told the stories. However, if I were to go into a Disney park and hear a hologram of Stan telling how he created that Spider-Man story again, I would get really, really, I don't want to say offended, but hurt. And, and I, yeah, I think it would just be in poor taste to to do that. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he does deserve recognition for all of the things that he created, but... Can't you just put up a plaque that says we all all of this land that we built this this Avengers campus to Stan and Jack Kirby and and name all of the artists that helped Stan create these things and yeah it just seems really in poor taste in my mind I, and I get that I I sincerely get that but again I uh, to double back to the whole Walt Disney aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You have to remember that Walt Disney, back in 1950, uh, created a, a company to run his Carol Ward Pacific, the miniature railway that he did, which then got changed to Walt Disney Inc. in December of 52. And one of the things that was folded into this, I mean, a lot of the tra- – Walt was a transportation nut, so – he held the ownership to the Disneyland Railroad, the Mark Twain steamboat, and the monorail, but he also held on to the rights to his name and his likeness, which he then licensed to the company that he owned. And I got to tell you, Roy Disney did not love this. You know, the whole notion <laughs> of, wait a minute, we started out at Disney Brothers Studio. We then changed the name to Walt Disney Productions because, you know, one guy out front, that's easier to sell. And now you're making us pay for your name and your likeness. It really rubbed Roy the wrong way. But if we now jump ahead to 1982, the Disney family, and this is now 16 years after we've lost Walt, they turn around and actually sell to the, the company all of these, you know, the, the railroad and the steamboat, and, you know, they take full ownership of this, but they also get the rights to Walt's image and Walt's name and don't no longer have to pay the family a licensing fee. So, I'm thinking when we look at this bit of news, this is more about this is the moment where we start to see Stan Lee become Walt Disney, where we will get the book of Stan Lee quotes. We will get the stories about Stan Lee, the wonderful creator that I, and I made this in the kindest possible way. There's a lot of shellac, you know, about to be applied <laughs> to Stan Lee. There's a lot of parts of the story. Yeah, is, that, that are, is that the right way to do it though? I mean, you know, when Walt did it, when he licensed his own image, that was his choice. And that's just mm-hmm. shrewd businessman thinking, mm-hmm. you know, and he's yeah. probably, we could probably applaud him for being pretty smart for saying, Hey, if you're going to use my likeness to promote this place, if you're going to use my name mm-hmm. on the, park then we should probably get paid as an individual Mm. for for using my likeness and and image stan didn't ask for that specifically he didn't set that up years ago like Mm. walt did and then die and then have a family decide to take this thing that was already established Mm -hmm. and then move it on and also you know all, all the books and stories that could be done with all the shellac included i don't need that i already heard stan tell all the stories i don't need a third party to go through the story and then clean up the rough edges 
and make mm-hmm. it more perfect because the world's not a perfect place. People make mistakes. I want to know the real thing that happened, not the storybook version of what happened. So, yeah, it's still just kind of rubbing me the wrong way, Jim. No matter how we gloss over it. I get that. I get that. But you, you also have to understand that at this very moment, there is some child on the planet who is just sitting down to watch their first episode of Spidey and his pals on Disney Junior and falling in love with these characters. And it will we'll want to know who created these. Where did they come from? Yeah, who, no, who and so that, there's friends? no way to find it. There's no internet to look it up. There's no- I'm just <laughs> saying that there is a giant corporation. Oh, you know, I get the corporation I, aspect. Totally. Yeah, they want the yeah. money. They want to make product. They want to, you know, yeah, it's... it's uh, Nope, still still on the wrong side of the fence on this one. I'm sorry. I no no, I get that. I just that as a student of the Disney company and having watched this happen in real time previously, I actually there's a part of me that wants to live in a world where Tom Hanks lives long enough to get to play Stan Lee. I mean, he's already <laughs> played Walt. I would pay good money to watch Tom Hanks, you know, in, in, in his eighties. Didn't he play Geppetto? He's well, Geppetto's coming out shortly. You know, the, the, the fact, uh, yeah, the Robert Zemeckis take on Pinocchio will be out maybe early next year in Disney Plus. But yeah. If he's got the the, white hair, the mustache, and the glasses, you just got to give him a little bit of a haircut, comb it over a little bit, and voila, stand. There we go. There we go. All right. But when I see this deal, that's that's what this is all about. This is is the Walt Disneyification of Stan Lee. uh, Not surprised by it, not happy about it. Okay, I'll take that. Yep. I'll take that. But again, again, intrigued, especially with this whole Sam's voice, name, likeness, and signature in the theme parks, the water parks, the cruise lines, and in-park merchandise. And speaking of Disney parks, when we get back, uh, we're going to take a closer look at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris, the Avengers Campus. We now have an opening date for it. And also, we'll get Aaron's further thoughts on Marvel Studios Assembled, uh, the making of Moon Knight. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We mentioned earlier, uh, we are headed into the, the long Memorial Day weekend. And of course, to kick off the uh, Memorial Day weekend down in Florida, Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind, which seems to have been previewing since <laughs> January, uh, finally officially opens today, uh, May 27th at World Discovery at Epcot. While we were getting that news, we also got a uh, word of even more Marvel goodness coming our way this summer. The Avengers Campus at Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris earlier this week revealed that they that land at that theme park will officially be opening on July 20th of this year. Now, I got, I got a quick question here just to make sure I don't get in trouble. Mm-hmm. If I'm in Florida, am I allowed to say gay, Perry? Ooh, that's... <laughs> I, I just don't want to get kicked out of the state if I'm talking I, about I, a different country and it's uh, about the happy. Uh. I, <laughs> you know, it's one of these things where I, I, I'm not sure who to call in Governor DeSantis's office about this. Because right. um, I, I can't imagine that they aren't happy with anybody lately. So no, I would not. imagine they probably have a grudge against the French as well. Freedom fries. All right, continue. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right, so uh, we also have some updates on attractions there. I mean, for example, we've been following the Iron Man coaster project for forever as they were taking that park's rock and roller coaster, Avec Aerosmith, and changing that. We now have a name for this thing. It's the Avengers Assemble Flight Force. I don't know if you've seen, they've, they've got a trailer out there now 
for the land where it's a dad and a daughter are racing around and so excited to be at Avengers Campus. But they include as part of this a shot of the Iron Man audio animatronic that will be on display uh, in the queue. And in much the same way that there were folks at Imaginary who were just thrilled when Disney made the deal with Jim Henson, because it's like, if there's ever a set of characters that should translate well to animatronics, Mm -hmm. it's the Muppets. And uh, on the other hand, the notion of we get to build an Iron Man animatronic. And if there's ever a character where it's like, yes, this, this one will work. I'm almost surprised they didn't build a hall of armor. I mean, if you're in a queue, it almost seems like the perfect place to put a hall of armor. So while you're standing there, you can gaze at... 10 different suits of armor. They don't have to move. They just have to look good and be lit well, well it right? it is so interesting you say that because one of the pieces of art that they have included for the queue includes a full-sized version of the Hulkbuster costume. Ooh, Again, it's, that's not bad. No, that's it exactly. So I'm, I'm, I'm rather hoping that in addition to that, that, you know, you know, again, still one of my favorite moments that, you know, Marvel, please go to sleep, please yep. go to sleep, please go to sleep. I almost think that should be like a playground thing, you know, like monkey bars or something where you could actually climb on it as a kid and like crawl in the cockpit and pretend for a couple of seconds that you're, you know, doing a thing. I mean, it would just be fun to, it you know, interact. It would. Yeah. I, I, I'd love that, that. That sounds like a hell of a photo op. But yeah, what's interesting about this attraction is when you're finally aboard the coaster, you will be flying with Iron Man and Captain Marvel. When the initial footage for this land, very much front and center, puts Iron Man, Captain Marvel, and Black Panther. And before we we, we step away from Black Panther, I wanted to sort of touch briefly on Letitia Wright, who's out doing publicity right now at Cannes for her next film, Silent Twins, which, by the way, is, is getting great reviews. While she was doing press for that film, of course, got asked about Black Panther 2 and talked about how they worked to honor Chadwick Boseman on set and said, we committed every day to working hard no matter what circumstance we faced. And we faced a lot of circumstances, a lot of difficult situations, but we came together as a team. That seems to be alluding to her COVID stance. Wait a minute. We're still talking about COVID. Aren't we on monkeypox now? Well, you know, <laughs> the, 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 yes, I'm, I'm a little concerned about that one myself. Yeah, and, no. you know, um, but, but yes, uh, Ms. Wright went on to say that in regard to her anti-vaccine stance, it's like, look, I learned that in life, you just have to keep going strong and th- with what you believe in, in terms of your talent, in terms of your desire to impact the world with your art. So it's like, I am not answering that question. I then went on to say, and that's exactly what I'm doing, and I'm so proud of myself and the movie that's coming out this year. I'm so proud of it. Please change this up. Yeah. Look at so, that landmine. Watch me step over it. All right. There you go. Yeah. There hey, go. So, jumping back to the roller coaster real quick. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they reskinned it, I would assume, you know, rethemed it. And change the music a little bit? Oh, no doubt. Okay. No doubt. I, I don't imagine they would ever be able to do this, but the uh, rock and roller coaster there was probably a, where you sit, you know, like a, a normal chair kind of sit. But mm-hmm. if they're saying that this is a, a flying a, a flight force, I would really kind of want that to be a thing where I don't know how you would do it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you, you get strapped in real tight, but then they tilt you forward so you're... Like, you know, if you were to stick out your arms and fly like Superman, mm-hmm. like that, where you're you're facing down on the ground, your belly is facing the ground, your back is facing skyward, and your legs are extended out, and your arms are extended out, and then go around the roller coaster like you're actually flying. Isn't that the dream? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that, because I know SeaWorld has Manta, yeah, which uh, does, in fact, tilt riders forward. Yeah, I knew there was a coaster that did it, and I was like, why don't they rip that off? That seems like well, the perfect thing. I mean, I get yeah. it. It's a reskin. They're going to do the cheap version of, mm-hmm. we just want to get it, you know, the, the coaster is here, we want to just change the theme but we but it's a successful ride overall no no no, that that's it exactly and and i will say this which i know for a fact that disney has experimented with this technology there was an attraction planned for the magic kingdom in florida called fire mountain that was actually keyed off of disney's animated feature atlantis the lost continent 
you are riding a roller coaster through a an active volcano. And what happens is midway through, there is an eruption that is so strong, your coaster falls apart. So you go from the seated position to suddenly you have chunks fall off of the coaster and you are now face down over, you know, these simulated pools of lava, you know, that are, are throwing up blasts of, of CO2 and, you know, and, and, and that sort of thing. And But you're feeling the heat rise off of them, but you're now facing downward. You have pitched forward and are only held in place by, you know, the, the, the supposedly this harness that is just hanging on by a thread and sounded like a wonderful ride. Anyway, moving on to the other ride, uh, which you mentioned reskinning and that sort of thing. Um, this is the Spider-Man web adventure, which, is, which if we're being completely honest, is the web slinger a Spider-Man adventure attraction that debuted at DCA with their Avengers campus. The, the only difference is because there are three and four different buildings in the the Parisian version of the campus. The show scenes will be adjusted appropriately. Uh, I mean, it's still the interactive. It's still you trying to take out the spider bots that have overrun the campus. Mm. It's pretty much the same story. The other interesting bend, uh, bend on this project is the, the food side. Uh, we have... Are a quick service restaurant, which is called the Stark Factory. And what's kind of interesting is that it, it features a cooking show experience, which given Tony Stark's attitude toward mostly everything in life, and it's like, oh, I want to see a Tony Stark cooking show. You know, that sounds like it could go south. Okay, so very- uh, here, here's the, the scene is mm-hmm. uh, he, you've got Tony Stark. You've got a little kitchen set up here. Mm-hmm. Uh, he cracks an egg, puts it in a pan, and then mm-hmm. turns on his repulsor blaster and cooks it. I am Iron Chef. If you've got an arc reactor in your chest, you could cook a full turkey for Thanksgiving in under 20 minutes. <laughs> you and I are pretty much on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. you know, just very much looking forward. But the other one that intrigues me is that the Pim Kitchen, now mind you, in California, the Pim's test kitchen is really more of a, again, a quick service. Whereas what they've decided to do in Paris is that this has, uh, this is going to be a buffet. And so the notion is you're going to be able to walk up to this table that is filled with either supersized pieces of food or, or super small entrees, and then just select what you're going to be having to, for lunch that day. And in a weird sort of way, this appeals to me a bit more than the Pim's Kitchen in, in California, because it always sounded like there, you know, you had to make sure you're going to lunch with a couple of friends, because it's like, okay, I want the Pim Nini, the, you know, the, the sandwich that feeds 10 and seats 6, or, mm. or the, the supersized meatball, where here, it, it looks like you can avail yourself of all the, the, the Pim-related uh, materials. But the official opening of this is July 20th, but I would imagine starting next month, we will start seeing cast member previews and DVC and the like. So uh, hopefully we'll have more, uh, much more information uh, going forward here. And speaking of, of additional information, we were uh, talking at the top of the show about Marvel Studios Assembled, the making of Moon Knight, and you were sharing some thoughts about this. Actually, no, be- before we get into that, it's Moon Knight related, but I got I got a preface real quick. Uh, okay. Marvel owes me a check. Ding, ding, mm-hmm. ding. Okay. A big fat one, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, about two months ago, mm-hmm. before uh, Doctor Strange came out, I made a little joke about Moon Knight and mm-hmm. going, you know, they really should do, because he's wearing a white costume mm-hmm. and he's beating people to a bloody pulp and then he's probably going to get messy. And, and I did a little mm-hmm. fake commercial about how he beats the, he goes on patrol and beats the crap out of the bad guys and gets blood all mm-hmm. over him. And he goes home and cleans his costume with just two scoops of Tide. Mm-hmm. Well, I was watching TV the other day, and there was a commercial where Wong is, mm-hmm. I don't know, casting a spell and eating lunch at the same time, but he ends up waving his hand and getting schmutz all over the uh, Doctor Strange's levitating cloak, and the mm-hmm. cloak kind of looks down like, hey, man, you got stuff all over me, mm-hmm. and uh, Wong ends up cleaning the cloak with just two scoops of Tide, <sighs> and I said, hey, someone owes me a check. Someone's been wow. listening to Marvelous Disney and took me too seriously and did not pay me for it. So 
I'm, I'm kidding, by the way. But uh, yeah, that, that commercial actually happened, and I was floored that going, wow, the actual brand name that I mentioned is doing the commercial that I wrote, except mm. it's not Moon Knight, it's Doctor Strange. And uh, anyway, so yeah, I was, I was like, wow, that's... That's really weird that uh, that they uh, were so so close in in thought and timing, and so now I'm on the lookout for more of my ideas showing up well, in the MCU. Stand, stand. <laughs> That's fun to hear. Oh, I'm okay. sorry. I, I thought it was just really it it blew my mind for a minute. Like, did I was did someone call me and involve me in the writing session in this? I feel like I wrote part of this, mm. but anyway, let's. So we're gonna get now to uh, Moon Knight, the behind mm. the scenes and assembled. Uh, you said you got to see part of it, just a, a bit. Yeah, of it. yeah, and I, I have to admit, what kind of intrigued me about this was that they were fairly upfront about the fact that you know there, there's 40 years worth of Moon Knight comic book stories and content and 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 out there, but you know, Feige with this particular property was like, look. Don't go into the feeling that you're locked into a specific story or a specific take on this character. Mm-hmm. You know, just and in fact, you know, kind of ironically, we were just talking about the Pim Kitchen buffet because he basically told head writer Jeremy Slater and lead director, executive producer Mohab Diab, feel free to pick and choose. I'm more intrigued about what you guys can possibly do mm. with this character than I am that you need to tell this specific story and go. Yeah. But again, stressing that we really want this to be authentic, you know, so it's like when we lean into the hieroglyphics, when we lean into the Egyptian mythology and that sort of thing, I I want that to be rock solid. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, what you, you know, and Oscar decide to do here, uh, you know, that's up to you. So. Yeah, some of the things that they brought up, I, I thought, you know, it was a wonderful revealing behind the scenes look at some of the things that they did. For example, you know, one of the things that got me going right off from the very opening scene was mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke putting broken glass in his shoes and using mm-hmm. that crunch, crunch, crunch sound effect whenever he came mm-hmm. walking into a scene. Mm-hmm. And apparently, and I was so spot on with my feeling, my gut feeling about this is when someone believes a thing, they're much more frightening uh, because mm-hmm. they're they're committed to their cause and they don't feel themselves as the bad guy. And, mm-hmm. and it's a good motivator uh, for storytelling. So when they were coming up with the, the opening scene, it was Ethan Hawke was like, I got an idea. And he did the crunched up glass and put it in the, in the shoes and walks away in the can. They're like, oh, my God, that's crazy. That's mm-hmm. crazy, crazy. Yes, let's do that. And so they filmed it and they kept it in. And it was just an idea that Ethan had Mm -hmm. to show that this guy is for real, believes in what he's doing. Mm -hmm. But then they said, well, if we do this, we got to pay it off. And that was where Mm -hmm. the bloody footsteps come in at the end when they're in the, uh, the psychiatric ward and inside of their head. No. Yeah. 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 They're like, well, if we do this, we have to find a way to pay that off. And so they're like, well then, and, and then they were, you know, developing the story at that time. They're like, we'll have bloody footprints and that will show Oscar, Hey, this is all in your head. And, uh, that will be the give the giveaway for that. And I thought that was just some genius work. And that's collaboration with, you know, your, your actors and saying, you know, what do you want to do with your character? How do you want to bring it to life? What are, what are the ideas that you have? This, this is a collaboration of a lot of really smart people that, you know, understand a character because they, you know, play characters their entire lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was a, an idea that Ethan had that paid off tremendously for the character. And they did bring up the fact that, you know, when someone does believe in that mm-hmm. way where for Kanshu, uh, mm-hmm. it was a matter of will you hurt the people who would do harm to the travelers of the night, mm-hmm. you know, one by one. Whereas Ethan Hawke's character is let's just kill them all now before they have a chance to do harm. Mm-hmm. And they like that idea of, you know, Thanos kind of had a point where you could almost see what he was going for. And mm-hmm. black Panther, you know, the, the villain for that, you kind of understood mm-hmm. where the villain was going with that. And mm-hmm. here in moon Knight, you kind of understand. And Ethan Hawke said that one thing that is repeated over and over. People do not wake up as villains. They wake up and they yeah. have, they think they're doing a good thing. Mm-hmm. And so when his goddess came to life and said, you know, I'll I'll take your life. And Ethan Hawke's response is, I accept the judgment of the scales no matter what it is. Mm -hmm. He's committed. He's okay to die. Yet he's not here to take over the world and be the one ruler over everything. 
So that is what I believe is makes a really great villain, not someone who's looking to take over the world, but someone who thinks they're doing good, but they're wrong. They're, they're misguided in their, in their beliefs. So we got to look at that. And also this was another interesting thing about how Ethan came into play was that uh, the director and Oscar Isaac were chit chatting and, uh, you know, what are we going to do with about a villain? And we don't really know yet. And let's, you know, it's all up in the air, but keep your mind open to possibilities. Well, the director had chatted with Ethan Hawke about doing a, a project together. Mm-hmm. And Ethan was like, absolutely. And then all of a sudden Moon Knight popped up mm-hmm. and Mob Diab's like, you got to wait for like a year because I got this mm-hmm. Marvel project. And Ethan Hawke's like, okay, cool. I'll see you in a year. And, ju- mm-hmm. and just kind of peaced out. And then Oscar Isaac ends up going to some like cafe. I don't know if it was like New York or wherever on earth it was. He walks into a cafe and lo and behold, there's Ethan Hawke. And he's like, you know, I was just talking to this director about you. You'd make a great villain for our Moon Knight thing. And he's like, oh, I know the, the director you're talking about. Yeah, we we're going to do a project. And, and he's like, so who's Moon Knight? And Oscar's like, I'm playing Moon Knight. And he's like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, let's do it. And, the, and right there, that's how it started. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's a great. Yeah, just a coincidence a in a coffee shop that they happen to run into each other and they, you know, we're all working with the same people. Another thing mm-hmm. that was a, a weird coincidence, Oscar Isaac saying, I never thought in my life that I would end up making three projects in a, mm-hmm. a couple of years time in the same freaking desert. Star Wars was <laughs> shot in that desert. Dune was shot in that desert. Uh-huh. Moon Knight was shot in that desert. That's practically his vacation home now. <laughs> somewhere uh, in the desert of Africa. Cow. And, yeah. and the, I was just reading about when you shoot in that part of the world, you have to learn to like the taste of sand because yeah. it gets into everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like you go to craft services and I'd like a sandwich. And it's like, oh. A it was, sandwich. It was, it was, there we go. <laughs> but, you know, they, they, they said you, you were weeks afterwards. You get home and it's like, oh, it's in this and oh, it's in that. And it's just sort of like, yeah. but oh, you got to feel for the guy. Three projects. Holy cow. Yeah, and to have to think about it who also have to fight in sand oh and wear the costume i'm sure it's probably very warm when you're dressed head to toe covered in that yeah i would imagine oh you you gotta feel for him but but so ridiculously enjoyed moon Knight, and you know very much looking forward to seeing what happens when award season rolls around and whether or not oscar gets recognized for his amazing performance likewise christian in fact, I'm honestly embarrassed to circle back to the, the bloody footprints to, I, you know, I'm, I'm such a constructionist. I should have picked up on that, but right. you know, that, that last scene in the clinic, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like it, to, to even have Christian's character kind of spooked by what, why am I bleeding? And it's like, oh, that does call back to the very first moments of this thing. Yeah. So. There's a lot of, uh, I think really important things that they did cover as far as representation. Cause mm-hmm. honestly, we've had a lot of uh, middle-aged white guys as heroes for a very mm-hmm. long time. So when we get some diversity, I think it needs to be praised and shine a light on it. And the director was talking about how whenever you see mm-hmm. the pyramids of, of Giza, mm-hmm. it's always shot from the desert side. Yeah. And what many people do not know is mm-hmm. that the city goes right up to the pyramids Mm-hmm. And he wanted to shoot from that side. Now, the thing is, they weren't in Egypt, not mm-hmm. once. They built a set in Budapest to look mm-hmm. like the streets of Egypt. And then they green screened and put pyramids in the background. And so, you know, it, while he wanted to have a true, authentic Egypt, mm-hmm. he couldn't be in Egypt. So they built the authentic Egypt. And they did, they did all of the food that from the street vendors to the license plates on the taxis and all of that. And when they hired all of the extras mm-hmm. to populate it, they're like, Oh my God, I feel like I'm back home. This is amazing. This is like really it. And that's kind of like the sign of, okay, we're doing it right because people from that place feel like mm-hmm. they are back home in that place. We're trying to recreate. And uh, yes, I mean, there, there's that side of it. But then again, they, they were also mentioning um, the actress who played Layla mm-hmm. and how, you know, there are not many Arab female performers mm-hmm. in, in this uh, MCU as of yet. And so mm-hmm. she thought it was a, a huge honor to mm-hmm. be able to represent her people as a hero. 
and the mm-hmm. Scarlet Scarab and, and all of that. And she wanted to do it right. She didn't want to take any shortcuts. She didn't want mm-hmm. to let down her people, so to speak. Mm-hmm. She wanted to represent, and she did a fantastic job. So uh, I'm really, really happy about the representation. Also, mm-hmm. a very kind of sideways connection here is uh, we've got Miss Marvel, which will obviously be coming out very, very soon. Yes, I yeah. just went to uh, Baskin-Robbins yesterday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To grab a little scoop of ice cream, and the two girls behind the counter were wearing the the burkas. Mm-hmm. I said, "Are you excited for Miss Marvel?" And they went, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, yeah." It was, and you could see that. Like, if I were to ask you care about Iron Man, you'd be like, "Shut up, hippie." Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't care about that. But Miss mm-hmm. uh, Marvel, it was representation for them, and they were super excited. And that was like, "Hey, we've got more members coming into the MCU." We've got more fans joining the club. Welcome. You know, I was so happy that they had something. They were both females, mm-hmm. both Islamic, mm-hmm. um, and they were excited to have representation in the superhero world. And I just was so overjoyed for them that they finally get some inclusion because I'm perfectly aware that for the last many, many, many years, all of our heroes have been rather white male centric and Mm -hmm. uh, diversity is a good thing. So um, yeah, I'm just thrilled that both with Miss Marvel and Moon Knight, that -hmm. they really get a moment to talk about the importance of diversity being represented in the MCU. And it's long overdue. I'm glad we're finally getting there. Keep up the work. Very cool. That's a great note to end on. So let's do that. All right. Uh, Aaron, want to remind folks that you have a social media presence. In fact, I had some rather pointed things to say this week that, that frankly, I also agree about. <laughs> but yes. uh, can you, you tell folks where they can find you on social media? Yeah. Well, I'm on anti-social media. I'm not letting anybody in anymore. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I am on Twitter. You can mm-hmm. find me at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. While you're there, please... Uh, I do have a notice up on my page for sale. One omelet, barely used. I only took one bite. I just realized I used Febreze instead of Pam. Okay. Wow. You just set my taste palette back (laughs) about a week and a half. Yikes. Okay. Speaking of social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media. uh, And over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Look forward to seeing you there. Also, I want to remind you folks, we have some other podcasts here. We, of course, have Disney Dish, which I do with Len Tester. We earlier mentioned Drew Taylor, who had gotten to see Ms. Marvel and liked it quite a bit. Uh, he and I do the fine-tuning podcast together. And Brian Gone right now, God love him, is at the Anaheim Convention Center right in the middle of Star Wars Celebration. So uh, I'm hoping that when he and I record a new Looking at Lucasfilm uh, this coming weekend, he'll have all sorts of short stories to share from that event which, uh, again, we've been talking about all sorts of Disney Plus stuff. And just today, when the show drops, uh, May 27th, we're getting our first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which I am also looking forward to. And I guess it's going to do it for now. So thank you so much for, on, on behalf of Mr. Adams and myself for listening to this week's show. And we will be back soon.